I, I try and work um, from Monday to Friday, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. So I have a three-hour window. So in those three hours, I get done more than what most people will get done in an eight-hour day because of the way that I structure my day. What's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Kershavsky, and welcome to episode 29 of That Remote Show, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by my friend Mark Simpson. Uh, Mark is somebody who definitely fits the description of what a digital nomad is to the core. Uh, Mark has been traveling all over the world with his family, uh, his wife, and three kids for the last couple of years. And that's how I got to know Mark, actually, is that he joined the Digital Nomads in Varna Facebook group that I started uh, a while back. And we got to know each other in that group. And I also got to know a little bit about his business, Boostly. Um, So we talk about Varna in this interview, but we also focus a lot on how he built his business, uh, which focuses on helping short-stay accommodation owners, so these like Airbnb owners or um, small bed and breakfast owners, how to kind of get more bookings through their own websites and how to do their own marketing as opposed to relying on websites like booking.com. And this is something that has grown tremendously for him over the last couple of years. He started out just coaching one or two or you know just a handful of people in person and then transitioned that over to an online course and now a community of hundreds of short stay accommodation owners that he's able to run and help out these people from all over the world. So we talk all about how he was able to how he was able to build that, uh, what got what, you know, gave him the idea to do this along with how he's able to travel with his family and keep his business running uh, from anywhere in the world. So I'm not going to hold you guys back any longer. Um, Let's dive into this interview with Mark Simpson. I really think you guys are going to enjoy this one. Mark is an awesome guy. And also uh, make sure you check out the show notes for this episode. They're going to be over at thatremotelife.com forward slash episode 29. That's episode spelled out with 29 the number uh, because we mentioned a lot of resources uh, and a lot of things that Mark has used to help him uh, run his business and uh, travel all over the world. So make sure you guys check that out. All right, guys, let's jump into this interview with Mark Simpson. All right, Mark, welcome to the show, brother. How you doing? Very good. Very good. Thank you. Loving this uh, lovely Spanish weather at the moment. Thank you. Yeah, you are in Spain right now, which uh, I'm a little jealous of because uh, it's starting to get chilly here for me in Budapest. How are you? Uh, how are you liking Spain so far? Yeah, so we've been here for a month now. Our our aim in life is to avoid a British winter for as long as possible. And yeah, right now, the, the, the weather in the UK is similar to what it's like in, in Budapest. It's cold, it's rainy. And this is what I love about Spanish people is that nobody talks about the weather because it's just always nice. We're in southern Spain, uh, near Alicante, in, in a little town called Javier. Such a cool little digi-nomad theme around here. And yeah, we, we've been here for a month. We're, we're loving it and we're hopefully going to be here for uh, quite some time. Yeah, because you're traveling with your family, aren't you? How? Because how many kids do you have? 
I've got three at the time of counting. Um, we've got a six-year-old, uh, we have a four-year-old, and we have a one-year-old. So, yeah, it's always been Laura, my wife, and I's um, just ambition to keep traveling because we, before we met, we were both travelers. I did a lot of traveling in America and Asia and, and Australasia. And Laura was born in South Africa. She lived in Saudi and she uh, was, a, was a, a, a diving structure in Egypt. And she, she's done all her travels before we met. And when we, we got together, we, we, we kept on traveling. And then when we had kids, it was all of our family combined said, all right, that's it. Now you're going to have to settle down. But we're just stubborn as fuck and we just got nah, we're going to keep on doing it and we just kept on doing it and this year 2019 we're recording this in, in October so we've been out of the UK more than what we've actually been in the UK and we're going to hopefully continue that as, as long as possible. So what got you started traveling in the first place? Okay so I grew up in a tiny little village in the north of the UK. Population, maybe 60 people. Uh, the town itself was Scarborough. Um, it's the second most popular tourist destination in the UK after London. But the town itself is like a bubble. You've got to travel for about an hour and a half in your car to get anywhere because it is pretty much out, out of its own little way. And I've always wanted to see more. You know, I'm a massive fan of movies. I love the Hollywood, the whole Hollywood thing, the whole celebrity sort of thing that really drawed me in there. And and again, me and my family, when we were younger, our holiday, our vacation, for anybody in the UK, you will re- relate with this. It was a trip to Butlins. It was like a, a little like sort of theme parky location that you stay in a in a like a little home that was it and then over time as we got older we started to go to the canary islands and and that was like our that was our um that was our vacation because my family have a vacation business it's it's a guest house it's holiday cottages and the only time that we could get away because the the, the traditional summer holidays july to september is when everybody came to stay. Our time to get away was January. And in January, if you want guaranteed sun, you go to Canary Islands. So that's where we always used to go. When I got to 16, 17, 18, I, everybody else was doing the traditional finish secondary school, go to the sixth form college, then go to university. But I dropped out of sixth form college at college after the first year, and I just naturally fell into soccer coaching. Um, started doing that in, in the Scarborough area, doing youth development, got all the badges. And as I was doing the badges, I got an opportunity to go to America and do coaching over there. And it was a, you go for five months in America, you travel around, you go to all the States and then you come back, uh, after five months after your H1 visas expired. And then you, I was in the UK for like six to seven months. And then I just used to rotate doing that. And I was doing that for five years. So I really got the travel bug doing that and um when my buddy got out of university and this is 2006 he sent me a text message i was on my old nokia 310 whatever that was back then indestructible (laughs) phones that was indestructible i was probably playing like um pipe or worm or something like that at the time you know one of those and uh he said i'm I'm finishing uni i want to go traveling do you fancy coming and i was coming to the end of my stint in i was in california at the time it's coming to the end of that stint and I was like yeah sure where are we going and we, we booked a one-way ticket from London Heathrow all the way into Bangkok and then we just went from there and that, that, that was like the start of two years of, of 
traveling, which was, which was uh, unbelievable, unbelievable life experiences. So what then brought you to starting your business that you have now, Boostly? Yeah. Uh, well, we got back from traveling, me and, me and my buddy, 2009, start, real start of 2009. And I came back and we're in the, I was in the family business. So the family business at this point is maybe 20 years in. And um, we were sat in Scarborough, a tiny little town. And me and my buddy were sat in the bar, in the, in the, in the local Weatherspoons. And we were like, Scarborough's too small. Where do we go? The natural progression was London. So we booked, again, a one-way ticket down to London, May 2009. And... Um, arrived in London with no real experience in sales or marketing or anything like this, but managed to get a job in a sales job. And then I managed to move to another sales job. And then I started to um, fall into like the, the world of reviews. So it was a company called Quipe that then got purchased by Yelp. And, you know, it's the biggest review website that's not TripAdvisor in, in, in the world. And um, I got a real good understanding doing that job of SEO, social media, um, how these review websites work. At that time, uh, I met my wife and we she was actually from Scarborough, but uh, growing up and she's the same age and growing up, I, we'd never met, which is really bizarre because in a small little town like Scarborough, everybody knows everybody, but I just never met this girl. And we, we got dating and after about two years of being in London, there's only so much of the London tube that you can take, specifically when you're from rural rural Yorkshire. And we decided to move back up north. And it was about 2012. Uh, we just had our first child. And um, my parents had had their business at that point for nearly 30, coming up to 30 years. And they wanted one of us, one of me and my siblings, and there's four of us, I'm the oldest of four, to come in and start to help them with the business because none of it was online. It was all repeat guests. And, you know, they're starting to struggle. You know, they, they needed a website. They needed doing all the things. And me and my wife looked at it, and we just thought it'd be an amazing opportunity for Alfie, our eldest, to, to grow up on the farm. And uh, we thought it'd be a great thing for us to do. And we just hit the ground running. I took charge of the marketing because I just put the experience from my sales and marketing from the, the jobs in London into that. And this is 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015. And over time, all those skills that we learned with the website, TripAdvisor, Facebook, Twitter, uh, then it moved on to Snapchat and Instagram and everything. We just put it into practice and it works super well. We're able to increase our profits, increase our bookings. We're able to get a top three ranking on, on TripAdvisor for, for, the, for the local area. We're getting um, loads of people finding us and it was going really well. The business grew and grew and grew. And in 2016, like I said, the parents had a business for a long time at this point. They We had a family meeting and we decided to put um, the business up for sale because they wanted to retire. We felt that we had grown it to a level that just me and my wife just couldn't manage um and we just thought yeah let's do it so we put it up for sale and it was at that point we stopped doing the day-to-day -day running of it as much uh, we just had our second child charlie um so we had two two boys under the age of four running a business where you're pretty much working solidly 12 18 hour days because it's it's not only was it the bed and breakfast but it was a tea rooms it was a restaurant it was an events venue we did weddings we had cottages it was really full-on and um when we stopped doing the day-to-day I was starting to go to a lot of networking meetings in, in the local 
town, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And it was pretty much scratching an own itch to the long way around of answering this, this question is I realized that there were so many other short stay accommodation owners that were in a similar boat to what my parents were four years ago, where they didn't really have an online presence. They had a website, but it was it was shit. It was just put together by a friend of a family member or somebody who didn't have a clue what they were doing. They didn't know what Facebook was. They didn't really know what all these social media were. And they were heavily relying on booking.com um, and Expedia and now Airbnb to bring in their bookings. When you rely on these other massive companies, number one, they charge you a heavy commission to, to do so. And B, what they do is they take all the power away from you. So they take the guest data away from you. So you've, you've got no real chance to um, grow a customer database. You've got no real chance to get more profits. So I looked around to see who was giving advice to people when it comes to marketing, and nobody was. And if there were, there were agencies that were charging 12 grand a year, you know, heavy prices. So I was just like, well, why don't I become that middleman? And I, I started up offering my services. Um, I simply just started cold calling accommodation owners in and around my area to say, hey, smart from the granary. Um, I'm starting up this, this idea where I can help you with booking.com, Expedia. Just start, put my sales experience into that. And I called maybe 100 people and I had two customers. Those were my first two customers. And that is literally where it, it, it got started on, on the one-on-one basis. And then it just evolved into this madness where we are right now, where I'm speaking to you in Spain. And it's now turned from a one-on-one -on -one business to a one-to-many and it's, uh, it has people, over 300 people from all over the world taking part in my, 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 my online training. So when you were getting those first, you know, people, like you said, were you, and you were kind of called calling them, were you like just looking to help people for free or were they immediately, were you charging immediately? So I did charge immediately, but. I I was kind of lucky that I was joining these Facebook groups. Um, there's a Facebook group called Coffee with Dan. Probably one of the best business decisions I've ever made is join that free group because there are it's got business owners and entrepreneurs from all over the world. And um, the the thing is is that my friends, my 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 buddies, none of them are, are really self-employed. Um, but they all have jobs or if they do, they are self-employed and they're in jobs where they're just happy at the level they're at and they don't, you know, they're, they're, they don't want to do marketing. So I needed to find an online community that I could get, just find other people who are starting up businesses. And this is where Coffee with Dan was, was phenomenal for, uh, hosted by an admin by a guy called Dan Meredith, who is a, a very successful UK businessman. And it was at this time in 2016 that I was just sort of trying to figure out what am I doing? And a friend of mine said, you should check out uh, Tim Ferriss. So I started listening to his podcast, which got me onto his books. My first ever Tim Ferriss podcast was the Jamie Foxx one, which is probably one of the best he's ever done. And I got down that rabbit hole and I just started to learn all these other little techniques to couple on with, with, with what I was doing. And um, somebody recommended, I put a question up in this Facebook group saying, I want to, start to reach out to local businesses um what's the best way of doing so and somebody recommended 
that I send lumpy mail. So um, lumpy mail is just something through the post that catches the eye. And I sent out postcards. Um, on the back of it, somebody helped me with a little bit of copy. So they they said um, they structured a, the, the postcard like it's a guest writing to them and then flip it into where it's it's you um, just sort of introducing Boostly. So what I what I did was I just put so hey Dave hope you hope you're doing well we really enjoyed your stay really glad that we found you directly so you didn't have to pay that commission to booking.com dot 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 if you want to get more uh, postcards like this then you need to be speaking to Mark Simpson of Boostly uh, started up Scarborough local based business here's my number give me a call so what I did is that that's how I got started and I and I sent them to a hundred people and then I cold called them on the back of them if I didn't hear from them from like two or three days later I had a set structure and pattern. And what I what I did to sort of get the awareness out was I ran a I ran a competition. So anybody who um, there's a special link on those pod on on those postcards, and if anybody clicked on that link, I could tell who clicked on it based on how I set it up on Bitly. And I entered everybody into this this competition where it was uh, two months free consulting with myself, and um, that went down really well. The, the person that won the competition uh, didn't stay on as paid, but recommended me to two people. And again, those were like my third and fourth customers. Because again, it's it's just all about, for me, being in a small town, word of mouth is everything and everybody knows everybody. So even if the people that I called who said, no, we're okay, but my friend up the road, he's really struggling or he's new, Can you, I'd recommend giving him a call. So that's how it all started. And, and I got three or four paid customers. I had the one that was the competition winner. And when you do it one-on-one and the work that I was doing for them, I could only ever have four or five at a time because I was doing everything. Their booking.com, their website, the social media, you name it, I was doing. And I couldn't really grow. So yeah, that if I only needed four or five people paying 600 to 700 pound a month over a six month basis to then start up this side hustle that would then become profitable. So I could then move away from relying on the family business wage to then start up on my own. So that's how it got started. So how did you then transition into like, what were the steps that you took to transition into like a more I'm going to say like a scalable model, right? Like, yeah. like how did you go into that? Um, again, we wanted to travel. Plain and simple, we, we wanted to have a business and, and travel. So I couldn't do that in the model that I had, the one-to-one, because part of my one-to-one is that I would have a monthly visit with each one. I'd go and sit down, show them what I'm doing, show them things, show them tactics and tips. Start of 2017, uh, the wife uh, and uh, it was um, Alfie and Charlie and I, we went and spent three months traveling around Bali, India and, and Thailand. And I gave my clients full warning about this and they were happy with it. We set up Skype calls to sort of do the check-in, the monthly check-in. But what I found was, is that it just didn't work. By the time I got back, um, four out of the five clients that I had, had ended their six-month contracts because they said, you know, it, it wasn't the same when you weren't here, which is totally fair. It was an experiment. So what I decided was, number one, this business only will work if I'm going to stay in Scarborough. And it's not what we wanted to do. We wanted to travel. Number two, I was limited with how many clients that I had. I could only ever have four or five. And when you've got four or five clients paying £600 a month, you're very limited on what you can do. 
I went back into the coffee with Dan group. I just explained my my situation. And somebody said, have you ever thought of doing an online course? And that was it. That was down another rabbit hole. I researched all of them, um, Udemy, um, everyone. I came to Thinkific. Uh, Thinkific suited exactly what I wanted. Really good guys. The, the, the customer service team was spot on. And I got set up with them. I boxed off the whole of September um, in 2017. And I just created 80 hours worth of content. All I did, similar to now, headphones on, microphone in front of me, computer, and I just recorded me doing the tasks that I was doing for my family business and for the clients and just showed how to set up booking.com correctly. So it works for you and not the other way around. How to set up a Twitter account properly, how to do a Facebook, Instagram, Expedia, Airbnb, how to do Google ads, how to do Google search, how to do Google My Business, you name it, I created it and I dropped it all into Thinkific. Um, at the same time, I created a Facebook group, my own Facebook group. It's called the Hospitality Community. And it started with just Scarborough and Whitby businesses in. And the whole premise was that one of my biggest uh, pain points, one of the things that annoyed me the most is that the local council in Scarborough had all this offline advice, meetings, meetups, um, but there's nothing online. And in hospitality, number one, you get scam calls all the time from people saying, we'll get you to the top of Google, Google business listing. So there was, and as well, you've got troublesome guests, you've got late availability. So I, I said, right, well, if you're not going to create this online group, I'm going to do it. And I created a thing called the hospitality community, invited everybody from Scarborough and Whitby in it. I explained what the premises is and it, it went down really well. And over the course of six months, it went from 10 people to a thousand people. And what I found was it was not just Scarborough and Whitby or Yorkshire businesses joining. It was people from London, Manchester. We had people from Scotland, from Ireland, and then people from France, and Germany and America. And before we knew it, we had people from all over the world joining because their pain points were similar to everybody. It doesn't matter where you are in the world, North or Southern Hemisphere. And when I created this online course, I sent a message out to everybody. I, I got a, a, a templated, copy and paste it to everybody in the group, 1,000 people. I got banned from Facebook for a week because I sent too many messages just saying, I've created this idea. I think it's going to work. It's It literally means that I will show you what I do. And instead of you having to pay me 600 or 700 pounds a month, it will be just this one-time fee. It was 150 pounds for the first five people. I said, I just need some people to test it. Who wants to test it? Five people put their hand up. They were the first ever people. And then from that point in 2017, it launched properly the 1st of January 2018. We're now at the end of 2019 and we're at 300 members. And the price is now a £1,000 lifetime to join. So it's just slowly gone up. There's been more things added. And I've just learned so much from the groups that I'm a part of. So I've invested in myself. I've now joined masterminds and there's, there's consultants that I sort of work with that are at a much higher level than me. And they pass on this amazing advice. And yeah, it's just growing and growing and, and, and growing. And um, that's where we are right now. It's, it's, uh, it's called the Boostly Academy. And yeah, it's, it's working phenomenal. That's uh, where we are right now. What would you say about, you know, because you initially 
right? They had those clients that were in person. Do you think that that experience and what you learned from that helped to contribute to then you creating like a successful course in business now? Or would you say that like, if you had to go back in time, you would have skipped those people and just gone straight to a course? It's a great question. And no, I needed to do that one-on-one, I believe. And I think everybody needs to do that. I think everybody needs to have that one-on-one basis. So you've got not just your experiences, but you've got others. Um, I didn't totally cut off one-on-one clients, but I, I, I really changed the model. So instead of me taking over everything, I do little one-off jobs here and there. So if somebody's really struggling with, with Google ads and they need somebody just to hop on and create, I can do that. I can do that anywhere in the world. So um, what I find is that even now when I'm doing this one-to-many model, I still need these one-on-one experiences so I can still dig straight in and see what the pain points are literally at ground level. Because I think one problem that so many of the bigger personalities that you see in the world, like the CEOs and whatnot, I think that they can quite easily become so detached from what they created. And as we all know, the business world and social media, Google changes so rapidly, you can easily start, keep spouting the same information. But what you don't realize is because you're not down there at ground level still, is that what you're spouting is wrong. And what you're saying becomes out of date. So even though I've I've grown this model and I would 100% recommend everybody to start on that one-on-one basis is even by flipping. So it means that my family can, I can travel. We can go anywhere in the world and all I need is a Wi-Fi and a laptop and a microphone. And um, I still make sure that I'm doing a lot of one-on-one work, whether it's a, a free, I do a free 15 minute phone call for everybody in my world. That really helps. I do marketing reviews. Uh, we now do websites. That's a big part of what we do is we've got a website business that is part of the, the Boostly Academy, which is, again, growing at a rapid rate. So it's, yeah, we, we're still doing a lot of the things one-on-one, even though it's like the one-to-many world. So are you still running this by yourself or do you have employees, VAs, anything like that? Uh, I, I do a lot of outsourcing. I would say 80% of my day-to-day tasks are outsourced. I was trying to do it all and it just wasn't working. Um, and again, I read the four hour work week, you know, I love what Tim Ferriss talks about. And then I again, started got digging into that world a little bit more. I discovered Upwork and then I discovered online jobs, uh, .ph. And, um, I read a really good, uh, blog by a guy called Tager. He, he sort of pinpointed, every little step that he did to get some outstanding um, virtual assistants from you know, the Philippines or wherever. Just, I just took all of that and I worked out what I needed help with. And I realized that I was doing far too much. Um, and, you know, I, I, I am really disciplined with the time that I, I work. I, I try and work um, from Monday to Friday, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. So I have a three-hour window. So in those three hours, I get done more than what most people will get done in an eight-hour day because of the way that I structure my day. And it's a a total other interview on how I do that. But because of that, I want to make sure that in those three hours, the work that I am doing is new business development or it's new content creation. So there's, there's two specific things that I need to be doing. Customer support, website support, I don't need to be in that world. So I've hired people to do that 
uh, for me. Obviously, that if there's anything urgent, it comes to me, but they take care of that. Uh, website design, I've got a buddy in Bali that we, we joint venture on that. Um, content creation or video editing, I've got somebody who does that for me. And then publishing on social media. Uh, again, I've got somebody who does that for me as well. So there's, there's four full-time uh, assistants. And then I've got maybe three or four part-time assistants around the world. And then I've got a, a full-time bookkeeper, you know, full-time accountant. Um, and uh, and then there's somebody else who does a, a little bit of sparring here and there. But yeah, so it, it's, it was really important to me that I got people in that could do the jobs that I didn't need to be doing. And Again, it's, that has been the one thing that I would recommend to anybody is as soon as possible, get an assistant, whether it's somebody sat next to you in your local town or area, or if it's somebody virtually that, that can do it for you or, or online. So when the, the business started growing and you kind of needed to bring people onto the team, why hire remotely? Why not set up an office back in England and, and hire people to do it? Well, two reasons. Number one, it's more expensive. I'm bootstrapping all of this. There's no investment um, at all. So by doing it virtually and by hiring somebody in the Philippines, you can get an even better quality of service and pay a third of the price, number one. Um, number two, by hiring somebody in-house and having somebody sit next to me would then limit, I believe, the amount that I would get to travel. Because again, if I was to do so, having somebody next to me all the time and then we're jetting off every now and again, I would feel that that would limit. Um, and plus as well, when you start doing that, you have to worry about um, pensions and tax and national, all that shit that you just, I can't get my head around. So that was some of the main, main reasons why I went virtually instead of somebody sat next to me. But I would caveat that and say it's personal preference um, because virtually you have got a lot of trust and um, I'm a very trusting person, but I make sure that I've got a lot of systems and structures in place to ensure that there isn't a virtual assistant working for me that goes, yes, boss, working away, and they're literally sat playing Fortnite. So how do you make sure that somebody's, you know, like you said, that you have systems and processes in place? How did you develop those um, to the to the point that they are now? So again, it's really important that when you create all of this, you've got to have the system and structure in place first. Otherwise, it's just set up to fail. And um, I'll send you over the link of the blog that I read that laid this all out in, in simplistic terms afterwards so you can put it in the show notes because that mm -hmm. laid it out fantastically. But what I do on a day-to-day, -day, um, every task that I create, whether it's a recurring or a one-off, I record it on Loom. And when I record it on Loom, it's, it gets stored in Loom and Dropbox. So the the VA who is doing the task can clearly see what I want. And plus as well, then in the future, when that VA leaves and we have to hire another one to replace, instead of me having to then explain the task all over again, I can just go, this is the task, this is the, this is the video explaining it, please do it. That's number one. Number two, it's just a simple case of making sure that when I wake up, which about 5, 6 a.m., depending on the baby, I um, log on to WhatsApp, and we've got a WhatsApp group, depending on if it's a, a website or a video content creation, and a quick check-in. 
So they know at certain times throughout the day, they have to check in with, with me and let me know what they're doing, any questions. Like there's, there's, there's people that have got specific tasks throughout the day. And at the end of the day, so they have to work 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, at 6 p.m. Um, Manila, Manila time is 12 p.m. Central European time. So at 12 p.m., I get a daily report and it's broken down into three categories. Number one, what did you get done today? Number two, what struggles did you get today? Or, you know, where, 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 where did you feel that you needed a bit more help? And number three, is there anything that I can do to help support you? And they have to do that religiously every single day, Monday to Friday. In fact, if they, they get three strikes, if they fail to do that three times, they're gone. Because that's really important to helping you know what they're thinking. And at the end of the week, on a Friday or a Thursday, depending on, on which person it is, we actually have a, a phone check-in. And again, in that phone check-in, it, it's super short, super sharp, super sweet. But it's a case of just keeping that human connection going. You know, how you're doing, are you doing, where you're struggling, where do you need help with? So every week I get their feedback and I can just make sure as we're working together that our relationships gets better and I can make sure that what I'm asking is not above them. Or if I'm not challenging them enough, I can just respond to that. Now, obviously it's like really important to have these systems in place and to like keep it going, but it starts, I feel like it starts with all of that will be easier if you hire the best people first. So what has been your experience or what are your tips with making sure that you're making good hires when, especially when, you know, you don't get to interview these people in person? Yeah, I mean, that's so hard. Um, number one, when you're bootstrapping, you, you're not going to get the best of the best. You are going to have to try and find a diamond in the rough. It's It all starts at the job application that you post. A lot of people don't put enough time and attention into the job application. And so they literally get their shotgun approach when it comes to applications. You get people that don't read, they see virtual assistant, earn money, and they'll just go, or they'll have an agency go, and then you've got 100 inbox messages, 100 applications, you're just like, what am I looking at? So again, it's really important at the start that you really crystal clear break down who you are, who you're looking for, what their role will be. And also at the end, which is what I, which is what I do. And again, the blog that I'll send to you, the, the Tager, the guy who created this system, he put in a little, a little snippet at the end that only the people that were properly reading the job application will take it to the next level. Because what I ask everybody to do is that if you're reading this properly, you will send an email to um, a specific subject headline to a specific email, Gmail account that I've created. I jump into Gmail and I set up a, a, a filter and a canned response. So then what happens is the application will uh, come in and as long as they've put the, the, the subject that they had to put to the email they had to send it to, an automated canned response will go back to them saying, well done, you've passed the first test. You'll be surprised that so many people that fail on this, all I need for you to do now is fill in this Google form. That Google form then separates... I don't know, 80% to the 20%. It gets the 20% through. And once they filled in that form, I look at it and it asks for a, a reference. It asks for a bit of a, uh, an example of a task that they've done in the past coordinating to what the job I'm looking for. It's got their WhatsApp number in there. And instead of me having to go through 100 guff, I've got 20 people that 
are really what I need to have a little look through. And then I'll filter that 20 down to five based on what they've sent me. And then from those five, I'll arrange calls on Skype or Zoom or whatever I use. And then from that five, I'll narrow it down to three. And then with those three people, I will set a trial task. And the trial task is designed to eliminate 99% of it and just have one person, just one person left that will be the higher. So it's it's a, it's a bit of a long drawn out process, but I find that by doing that system and structure right from the off, it helps me narrow down to the right person that I need. And from there, you have a month's trial and a month's trial turns into a two month trial and a three month trial. And then again, you just you go, I know by the end of the first, by now, I know by the end of the first week if they're going to be with me for a long term or if it's literally going to be, thank you very much, at the end, end of the four weeks. So if you if you feel like you know if this is a good hire within the first couple of weeks, why extend and why use that trial period? It's just there to cover your back. Just like any job, you can get, doesn't matter whether it's in person or on office, you can have somebody that's so enthusiastic for the first few weeks, they get the first paycheck, they think they're in, they get settled, they get easy, they get sloppy. And I don't want that. I, I start off by paying low. And I slowly every month increase the pay with bonuses, with incentives in. And, you know, I, I, I bonus well because from, from the off, I say to them, the more that Boostly grows, the more you will grow. I know you're not going to be with me forever. You know, I ask them in the, in the job interview, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a question that I, so many big CEOs ask. It's what's, what is the job that you want after Boostly? What do you want to do after Boostly? And a lot of them say, you know, especially in the Philippines, they want to have their own business. They want to move on to bigger and better things. And I'll say, right, I will show you. I will show you how to run a business. You follow my what I do and how I work, and I will show you how to do that. And that's an important thing of, of what I what I do. And if by the end of the first month, I feel like they've not met my expectations, whether they've not sent a daily report or the work hasn't been good enough, and you can spot because, again, I did all of this myself. I know every single nook and cranny of every single job and action and thing that I'm asking them to do. So I know the level that I want them to be at. And if they're not there and I don't feel like I can teach them or my team can teach them to be there, then we can say goodbye. Second month comes in at the end of the second month, we have a review, we, we have a chat. And then again, from there, you just use pretty much away. Gotcha. Now, what have been, you're running this business, it's going really well from what it sounds like. What has been your experience running and building and scaling this business while also traveling? So like, what have been like some of the benefits? What has the experience been? And like, what have been some of the, you know, difficulties? Well, let's just caveat that running a business, traveling and having a small family, those three things fuck you up. And I find (laughs) that the Business is more stable when I'm settled for an extended period of time. It just makes sense. If you're settled, you've got your routine, you know where you're going to be every night, you're going to know what you're going to be doing. Things just run smoother. I um, got back from traveling in March 2017, sorry, May 2017, and that's when I lost 90% of my clients. And that was hard. You know, I had to start again. Where this year um, we left Bali in um may 2019 we 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 did this madness of a flight to get to bulgaria because our children we know that our children cannot fly for more than four hours the 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 middle child 
after three hours, he just becomes Tasmanian devil. And you just do not want to be in a small conspired space in the middle of the air when he just, just loses his ship. So we knew that three to four hours max. The problem is, is when you're going from Bali to Eastern Europe, it takes you a lot of journeys to get three and four hours here and there. So it, it really did start to impact the business. When we got to B Bulgaria, I had to make some big changes in how I work and how I structure things. Um, when I got back to the UK, again, I just took a restock. And that is when I went on my really big um, assistant hiring program. Uh, before that, I had a lot of part-time assistants, like people who would do things here and there. It was in June mm. that I hired my first full-time VA who works 40 hours a week. Um, and then in July, I hired another. And in August, I hired another. In September, I hired another. So now I've got f loads of full-time VA. So to give you a little bit of an idea of the past month of my life, on September the 12th, 2019, we set off from Newcastle coming down to Javier. We went into Amsterdam and then for 10 days, we just drove down, stopping off here and there at different places. Um, I barely looked at the business apart from a quick WhatsApp in the morning, maybe an hour at night on the laptop. And that was it. The business continued to bring in the same revenue than the other three months. So before all of these big changes and hiring these full-time VAs and taking the business, what I believe to be the next level. If I'd have done the exact same thing, it would have struggled. We probably would have been nowhere near the the, the levels that we need to be at to be continuing to, to, to grow. In. So yeah, it's, it is hard when you are traveling. It is hard when you're traveling with kids, but there is nothing else that we would rather do than travel and share these experiences and see all these things and experience all these things. And uh, yeah, and again, be very fortunate to have a business that can support all of this while we're doing it. Now, you mentioned uh, just previously, you mentioned the time that you spent in Bulgaria, and that's actually how we met because you joined the Varna Digital Nomads group um, on Facebook. What was what drew you to Bulgaria and Varna specifically first, and what were what did you think about it? Well, firstly, I love Varna. I love Bulgaria. It's I've been to Sofia once back in 2009. I just moved down to London, and I just thought, you know what, London City Airport, Gatwick and Heathrow's there. Where can I go? Where's really cheap? And I got like a, a really cheap return ticket to, to Sofia, and that was like nearly 10 years ago. When we're coming out of uh, Bali, we were looking for a place to go for about a month to two months before going back to the UK. Because again, we're trying to put off as long as possible from going back to the UK. And to be honest, I'd never heard of Vana. My, my wife used to do property sales and she did a lot of property sales in Bulgaria, funny enough. And she had heard of it um, and sort of Sozopol and all that and all those areas. But, you know, we'd never really thought of a, a destination to go to. We pulled up a website, totally random, nomadlist.com. And nomadlist, we just put in all of our filters. So it had to be family friendly. Uh, we'd just come from Bali, where as soon as you step outside, you just sweat. And we had a four-month-old with us at the time, six-months-old. And, you know, we had a four-year-old and a six-year-old. Sorry, a four-year-old and a six-year-old. So um, we wanted a temperature to be anywhere in the 20s. We weren't bothered about it being really hot. Celsius. Yeah, Celsius. Sorry, Celsius. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. 
right? So we want, we want it to be in the in the twenties and the Celsius, and we want it to be by the sea. We want it to be uh, decent for walking, and uh, we want it to have cheap um, rent because our budget was running a bit low after being in Bali. Uh, and the 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 first place that popped up was Lisbon, and we looked at Lisbon, we looked at rental prices, and we're just we're not going to be able to make this work. Second on the list was Varna. I was like, what the hell is Havana? So we just opened it up, <laughs> checked it out, um, joined your Facebook group, just asked tons of questions, looked on um, rental websites, and we're just like, yeah, we can make this work. And um, we flew in. We got settled in right down by the Sea Garden. We loved the Sea Garden. Uh, we we just it it from the from the moment we arrived, it was just felt like the right thing, and it's it was. May, so the season hadn't properly started, so not everything was fully up and running, but you could still go down to the beach. We found this uh, a little Hawaii cafe that was right down on the uh, on, on the sea garden, on the beach side there, and we, we hired a car, and we just traveled, and we just went down to Sozopol and all those places, and we just had an amazing time. We were there for six weeks in total, and then we just took advantage of a stupidly cheap Thomas Crook price to get back to the UK before the Thomas Cook went tits up and um and it's now gone into administration but we've got we, we took advantage of a really cheap flight and just jumped back into the UK just before um just the start of June uh yeah absolutely loved it in, in fact you know I, I still think back to our time there and I said to Laura you know we've got to get back I just love how everybody doesn't matter what age is just walking around with a kebab it's just madness. Any time of the day, there's people just have a kebab in their hands. Like the kebab in the UK is associated with 2 a.m. in the morning when you fall out of a pub or a club and you're just looking for some dirty food. But in, in Bulgaria, in Varna, they're just walking around with it at 10 o'clock in the morning. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah, you can't go wrong with a kebab. It's uh, it's good stuff. It's And I, and I have my favorites all over in, uh, in Varna. And they're, they're very good. But you did mention something really interesting, which might surprise a lot of people. And that's that places like bali have gotten expensive like they've attracted so many tourists and so many people because they're known as these cheap exotic places that now um they're not so cheap anymore and so that's why i think places like varna have become really attractive because they are still very very affordable they're almost southeast asian prices but you get all the benefits of being in in Europe, and you're so close to the UK, and you have the familiar food and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So, do you plan on coming back to Varna? You know, kind of like what is next for you guys um, from here on out? So, we've just arrived in Spain. Uh, we're in Javier, Spain. We are gonna. We've just sorted a rental to be here until July 2020, and from there, who knows? is the honest answer. We really don't know uh, what is going to happen next. There is murmurings that um, I might be going to Australia to do some talking events, which would be amazing. But unless I get guaranteed those talking events and I get flown out there, then we're we're not going to be able to go. I am really enjoying being on this time zone. I'm really enjoying at the moment having this amazing weather. I am really enjoying of not being cold uh, not being wet and miserable in the UK. We want to have a lifestyle that we, instead of living in the UK for nine months of the year and then going on holiday or traveling for three months of the year, we want to be living abroad for nine months a year and then in the summer holidays, go back, see families, friends and have those three months in, in the UK. 
all of this is, like I said, off air Brexit, depending who knows what's going to happen. We maybe just have to begrudgingly go back and just suck it and see. But right now we are loving being in Javier. Um, it's an amazing part of the world. It just feels right. Like Vanna felt right when we landed there. It just feels stunning. And, you know, I've got settled. We've got settled. I've got my, uh, I've got my DIY stand-up desk. My Ikea lac table is below me here with the desk in front. I've got, you know, everything that we need is, is, is here. Uh, just got an electric scooter today. So I'm enjoying to be able to check that out very soon. But yeah, it's, um, this is where we'll be until at least July. And then from there, who knows? Yeah, that is an interesting phenomenon that for the people who live in the US who are listening who aren't aware, what essentially happened in Europe is that there's no, or like the birds and the and the limes are very rare, like those electric scooters. But what's happened is that you can buy these electric scooters everywhere. And I see people who instead of buying a car, they've bought an electric scooter and they zip around town and stuff like that. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm loving it. Um, but where can people who are listening and uh, you know are interested in your services or what you're doing, where can they find out more um, about your business and about you? Yeah, so if you have got a short stay accommodation business, whether you're just airbnb or or whatever, and you just want a little bit more help and guidance and tips and tricks, then just go to boostly.co.uk, B-O-O-S-T-L-Y.co.uk. For people that aren't doing that and, and just want to maybe follow me uh, on my um, I document. So what I do is I do a daily vlog every day because I wanted to document the business start of the traveling. And the best place to do that is Instagram. So it's Boostly UK. So B-O-O-S-T-L-Y UK on Instagram. There's a daily vlog every day. I do lots of stories. I like to experiment. Instagram is my social media of choice. I absolutely love it. In fact, I don't have any other app on my phone um, because I just want to focus on on Instagram. It's not there to grow. I don't try and monetize it. In, in fact, at the start of the year, I deleted 2,000 followers because they were just robots or they just never, ever, ever engage in anything that I do. And um, starting afresh, it just, I, just, I just love that. And if you want to come and follow this journey and see, like, you'll be able to see 2017's vlogs and 2018 and Bali and Vana where I've talked about it's all in there it's all on it's all on the feed so that'd be the best place to come and check us out all right well brother thank you so much for coming on um I really enjoyed talking and uh maybe see you down in Alicante in a couple weeks because I'll be there so uh Yeah. yeah brother thanks so much again pleasure thank you very much